everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Can't get comfortable. Oh, babe. Right. So tell me about hypnobirthing. Okay. So hang on. So I did hypnobirthing on Saturday. Um, hypnobirthing for those of you who don't know, and likely therefore don't care. But I'll go through it really quickly. No, I was. I was hoping you were going to do this because I didn't want to say that I don't know, but I absolutely don't know. <laughs> hypnobirthing is like a methodology of. <laughs> how you psychologically approach childbirth you know with the the understanding that human beings are the only mammals in the world that fear childbirth and that you know kind of like what we were talking about last time um and it's basically all focused on like affirmations breathing techniques um you know when when you know when to kind of allow the the hospital staff to take an active role in your delivery and when to be like, no, no, like you're here just in case, okay, it's all to do with me. Like I make the decisions and asserting your authority and visualization techniques and just things to basically keep you calm when you're going, holy fuck, this is the most insane thing I've ever felt in my life. This can't be normal. Oh my God, I need help, I'm in trouble, which is obviously what happens when you're in extreme amounts of pain and discomfort. Um, and that's what hypnobirthing is. So. I deliberately, because it's me, I'm sure Emma will not be surprised at this at all, obviously chose somebody who is qualified to do hypnobirthing that was also a qualified midwife and had had a lot of experience and practice as a midwife um, and also had children, multiple children, three children. I was very specific about who I wanted because what I'm about to say is a little bit controversial, and I'm sure some people will be offended by it, including one of my best friends, because this applies to her. But it's just my opinion. It's just my belief. Just because you go do a course and you get a hypnobirthing qualification, I don't personally think that qualifies you to sit in front of someone and be like, here is how you should approach your childbirth. I personally am of the opinion that unless you have studied midwifery and practiced and, you know, had your own children, I, d I don't really want to hear somebody tell me how to do affirmations and breathing techniques when I'm in hell labor. <laughs> because A, giving birth can encroach on being quite a medical necessity, uh, intervention necessity, like it, that sometimes you need medical intervention and you know the obstetrician needs to intervene and that's a life-saving privilege number one number two like I say anybody can go do a hypnobirthing course anybody at all you've and if you've never had a child I personally don't want like a 21 year old girl who's never had a baby being like here's how you breathe through a surge which is what they call contractions I'll be like go fuck yourself <laughs> find me someone that's done it 
and that's just me and that doesn't apply to everybody and that I know that having spoken to several midwives and qualified hypnobirthing instructors in the space it's a very contested topic and it it can get quite heated and I can understand why um so when I had Uh, what's interesting like that when we come back to like even if we like relate that to choosing a coach or something it's so important because actually the way that this will work is your buy-in to that person and it's exactly how the EC method works like if you don't buy into Chloe and I this isn't the right program for you because the secret isn't in the exact calories or the workouts like they're great but actually the secret is in your trust in us that you're actually going to implement what we say because it's one thing I was telling you still all this stuff but if you don't buy into us as coaches as they've got results before like they've done this with thousands of people before they have all these qualifications and they've got 10 years experience like if you don't buy into that and you don't trust what we say it won't work for you because you won't follow those actions and it it will be the same like so much of what you're getting from hypnobirthing is a psychological aspect now if you're like I don't really trust this girl who's 21 and like doesn't sound like she's like no life experience etc etc much the same as you might do the same with a personal trainer if you're like what some 18 year old personal trainer who has no life experience is going to tell me how I can manage exercise with my five kids like no they're probably not like but actually their advice might be exactly the same as someone who's really really experienced but you'll listen to the experienced person you won't listen to this person oh yeah and that isn't necessarily like a negative thing I think it just needs to be part of the consideration like that's probably the magic of how this is going to work if you fully trust that that hypnobirther specialist whatever they're called (laughs) yeah yeah. and it will work for you but if you are questioning what they say it won't work and this is part of the reason that I think it's I mean there are numerous reasons that we don't sell you guys shit partly because we have morals but if we started being like oh this week we're selling you CBD oil or this week we're selling you blah 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 you'd be like I'm kind of losing trust with these guys like do they actually want what's best for me or are they looking to make money off me buying some crappy product like that all leads into how well your client like the results that your clients get so if you see coaches that are like always selling some new fatty diet thing on on instagram or new fatty supplement like that impacts how how much their clients trust them and that impacts how well their clients do with their you know whatever goals they have a hundred percent and that's it's so true like if you do meet someone let's and Emma's right okay let's flip the script on everything I've just said and again I did preface in the beginning by saying this is my opinion and this is my standpoint okay but if you meet some 21 year old girl in the gym who says something to you you know there's there's affirmations and there's affirmations and 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 it hits the nail on the fucking head and you think wow you're the only person that said anything to me since I've been pregnant that's made me feel calm about labor um or childbirth I'm trying to use like correct hypnobirthing terminology um and she goes oh well I'm qualified in hypnobirthing perfect I mean perfect because hypnobirthing really is like you feeling as calm and in control as you can and it's interesting like 50% of women say that it goes out the window you know when you're a few hours in and you're fucking exhausted and the contractions are getting worse and some women say that it absolutely saw them through um their childbirth experience with positivity and calmness and kind of um, control so it can go either way and I think that again largely depends on the childbirth it largely depends on the labor and I and, and I think you get to choose to a certain degree but as I've learned being pregnant 
you don't get to choose everything. Sometimes you have to respond to what your body's doing and you don't get to set that in motion. You have to respond. Um, and it can go either way. So it's a great thing to do. And I would recommend that anybody and everybody does it. You know, we're really big fans of the psychological and physiological approach here on the EC method. So it obviously goes without saying that I feel like that about, about labor. And I haven't done it yet. And I'm sure there's lots of women listening who are like, bitch, please, you haven't even done it yet. But this is my opinion. Anyway, so then- See, really- I don't know if I fully, I, I think I agree with you to an extent. I think the experience side is important, but I think- in some instances at least like if I if if someone was like I've been a midwife for 30 years and I've delivered I don't even know how many babies right but I've never had a child myself that wouldn't bother me and also I think you know like what if they can't have, what if they can't have children like that doesn't that. mean they can't be a good midwife no, no, no I completely agree with that what I'm trying to say is that anybody can get this qualification and I don't want somebody trying to tell me who hasn't been a midwife. So yeah, I should say that if they haven't been a midwife, but they have the hypnobirthing qualification and they haven't had a child, both, I don't want them telling me how to deal with a contraction. Like that just makes me rationally angry. But I completely agree with you. If someone's delivered thousands of babies, which this woman has, but had never had a child, absolutely fine. Like you, you, all you need to do is hear that guttural animal primal noise to know, okay, <laughs> you're going through what you're going through right now. Um, so I do completely agree with you on that. But I was just I was just quite staunch about this. Now, what was interesting is that I got on extremely well with this um, instructor and we just really bonded and got on really well, which was great. And then, and she was really kind of, she wasn't as opinionated as me about it. She was like, oh yeah, like most of my, most of my um, clients like hire me because they like the fact that I'm a midwife as well. She was quite on the fence about it. Obviously it's me. So I'm gobby and opinionated and was like, well, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have paid you because it's expensive. Like I wouldn't pay you if, if I didn't, if I didn't, if you hadn't been a midwife basically. And then what's really interesting is another midwife who I absolutely love and follow. She's called Midwife Pip on Instagram she just she did a post basically saying what I was saying which was like you know one of those TikTok like Malby like who like who are you and it was like when your hypnobirthing or antenatal instructor has no history of midwifery and I looked at the comments underneath and people were going in on her they were like you don't need to have delivered a baby to be you know to be able to talk somebody through hypnobirthing and I think you're right I don't think you do need to I think it's all about the buy-in of the client but I mean, I obviously completely agreed with her. And I was like, when my podcast comes back, you should come on, we can talk about it. Anyway, it was really helpful. the buy-in is part of that, right? It's the same thing that you feel that like, you know, if something did go wrong, I'd be in good hands. And actually that probably just relaxes you enough that, that something is less likely to go wrong because yeah. you're not relaxed. Well, this is what's interesting about doulas. I don't know enough about doulas, so I don't really want to talk about something that I don't know about because I'm sure people listening will know and they'll be like, no, that's not how it but I wouldn't have a doula who hadn't been a midwife. What's a doula? It's like a birthing partner who you hire to be there at your birth if you have a shitty partner or no partner. So <laughs> basically me, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I would not be like, even if they'd been at loads of, of childbirths before, I'd be like, I kind of want everyone in the room other than me to know what to to do if something goes wrong but even then like this is when your obs comes in you know hey, somebody- i'm sorry someone's job is just like no qualifications but i just like yeah. 
I help you, but, but I don't know what the qualification would be. I mean, they would obviously have to be, but okay. So then, so this is the reason why I think I already had an opinion on this. And why thing. are they called a doula? <laughs> I actually don't know. I'll Google it. Um, but the reason why I spell this, but I think I, I had a really, the reason why I haven't even have an opinion on this, and even though childbirth is not my forte, is because one of my really good friends is, I have to be so careful now, is a, a qualified, qualified, she's a yoga instructor, and she's, she had a baby, and she's now qualified in hypnobirthing, and there was just an awkward moment where one of my other best friends, sisters, is a midwife, and we were all together, and the hypnobirth, the, the, we'll just, call her yogi <laughs> yogi said oh i'll do i'll do your like birth prep because i'm qualified in like everything childbirth and then my other friend's sister was like oh like what are you what are you qualified in and she was like hypnobirthing and she was like okay and then obviously had to get up and go do a shift where she was going to deliver god knows how many babies and how many hours and i was just like everything in me just went like and she didn't say anything I was so impressed and I swear you don't really when it's your mates but I was just like oh my god and that's when it the penny drops and I was like this is a a mirror of what I say of like just because a reality star has a banging body which by the way is the reason why they're on that reality show in the fucking first place I've been to castings at MTV I've seen it with my not me being there I've watched it while I've waited for a meeting it's they are getting hired based on how they look and then comes out and he's like, and I can get all of you bitches in shape too. No, you fucking can't. Sit down, mind your P's and Q's. And it just reminded me of my opinions on our industry, which everyone I'm sure knows about. And I was like, that's what set this in motion. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about it because I think it's really interesting. And I know that that will probably offend some people and some people will think I'm a right dickhead, but it's just my opinion. And of course, of course, as Emma said, you could meet someone who has no experience in in much at all, but says something about the birth of of your child and, you know, a mantra from hypnobirthing that really strikes a chord with you and then you're in great hands because it is purely psychological. So, but it's interesting. But it's kind of similar to people who are like, oh, I once struggled with binge eating, so now I've developed this binge eating program. And then like, you know, the dietitian that spent like six years at uni is like, oh, hold on a second. think I might be slightly more qualified to deal with this issue than there's a lot of this going around I once had this problem so now I'm gonna start a business off the back of it and it's like that's a really serious like problem like and every time Emma and I get someone like it's really lovely when people like Chloe Emma you really helped me with my binge eating that's fantastic but generally speaking if someone reaches out to us before they sign up and they're like hey I have this thing Emma and I are like we're not the we're not qualified in that yeah and honestly normally when people say you really helped me with my binge eating what they mean is overeating yeah yeah, like not binge eating disorder which is like a different thing and and because the word is used so like freely then they're like oh yeah I used to binge all the time now I don't and what they meant was I used to overeat quite a lot and now I don't well, I had this with Samantha on the last round, who was like, hey, I did it. And I was like, well, I need to understand exactly what context you're talking about. And through a long, protracted, like, two-day conversation, it materialized that she overeats when she over-restricts. And I was like, hey, you, you don't, I wouldn't clash Shock, that. like every other human in the world. I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, in that case, I'll set you up. And actually, thank you, Samantha, because she's just been so lovely about all the kind of tools that I gave her. She's, she's pretty adamant, have kind of really helped her 
deal with it like permanently so that well it could always go the other way <laughs> with one day of not eating enough um but i but that i like massive thank you to you just for being so nice and complimentary it made me feel great and also what a change to someone's life to go from that like kind of almost like fear of food or or like i can't control this to the like to realizing that actually it was just the fact that you were over restricting and now you don't over restrict like that's for you that that problem solved oh I read such an interesting study today oh. and it reminded me so I was speaking to uh, I can't remember now someone this morning that was asking about how to manage hunger and then it reminded me of like all these studies that were looking at hunger and how actually our perception of food impacts hunger massively yeah and then this really cool study was showing the difference between they had a group of people and they had them come in and eat an omelet and they would they were given the recipe for the omelet beforehand and they were told to just check that nothing in this you're allergic to and you can eat it all so like scan scan through it now on one occasion they were given the menu and it said it's a two egg omelet Mm -hmm. and on another occasion they were given the menu and they said it's a four egg omelet now, in reality, on both occasions, it was a three egg omelette. But when they thought they had only two eggs, they were substantially more hungry and they ate more throughout the day. So these people were like tracked their consumption. And you're like, it's the same food. It's your expectation that's different. Yeah. And I think we get so caught up, like all of the check-ins are always about, I can't understand why I'm hungry. I'm on 1600 calories or 1800 calories or 2000 calories, whatever. There's an element that is related to calories but there's a huge element, probably way underrated, that's actually related to your expectations. Yeah. And you can see this in, um, what were they looking at? I think it was people who had amnesia and how actually they, they were always hungry because so much of your hunger is more related to like what time of day it is or your expectations. If you can't remember eating before, then you think that you're hungry. That's really interesting. I kind yeah. of thought that would maybe be the other way. What, that you're never hungry yeah that you just wouldn't or that your hunger would be so in uh instinctive and intuitive of like no now i'm hungry because yeah, you the, don't have the any complete, yeah the complete opposite is true that's so if you if you give someone a meal and they have such bad amnesia that they forget like basically by the time they finish and then you come you clear it away and you come back with another meal they'll eat the meal again even though oh they're, they're my god that's so interesting. I honestly would have thought it would be the exact opposite. I have you um have you read The Hungry Brain, Emma? Yes. Many years, well, yeah, many yeah, years ago. Came out, yeah. And that was the first for me. It, how many years ago did I read it? Oh my god, I don't even know, maybe like five or six. That was the first time that I was like, it's probably the psychological approach to hunger. And again, we talked about this in the last live and and eating it's probably far more impactful and important read what Emma and I do than everything else. Oh yeah. Like, and, and another study that was quite similar was asking people before they had, I think it was, they gave them some kind of food. I think it was a cookie or something, but they'd ask one, one group of people beforehand, can you just note down what you had for lunch and just noting down what you had for lunch, i.e. reminding yourself that you've already eaten that day made them eat less yeah that doesn't like even that but but also made them more satiated as well so not even like the I kind of I think that kind of makes sense in in that if you're like remember you've eaten all this stuff already and then people kind of 
it's less to do with hunger and it's more to do with, oh, I've already eaten quite a lot. I'm going to restrain myself not to eat too much more. But they were actually more satiated just from reminding themselves. And I think this highlights how important it is to be mindful when you're eating. Yeah. As opposed to, this is this is our problem with snacks, right? We don't have an issue with snacks. It's the mindlessness of it. Because yeah. then when you, if you ask someone to recall what they've had, they don't think of like the half like fish finger that they had because yeah. they haven't finished it. And, you know, picking stuff up as they walk through the kitchen and stuff like you don't register that. You don't think about it. Yeah. Whereas if you sit down with a snack and you actually think I'm going to have this and enjoy it, that has a much higher satiety impact than just like mindlessly walking through the kitchen and picking stuff up a hundred percent yeah and it's like everything even with like grazing stuff like if you if I go if James and I go for like Lebanese for example and the table's just full it's like incredible but it's like so easy to overeat so unbelievably hard to stay conscious of what you're eating because and you know we talk about the yogurt study all the time as well because the variety and the options is so varied and endless that it's really hard to keep track of your, like we've again talked about your psychological, your physiological hunger. Like all of those. I also think with that because, well. yeah, because they come and go with the food and then you, you can't actually see how much you've eaten because things get like filled up and then they like bring something back and they take yeah. away your place and stuff. You're like, I have no idea actually how much I've had. Yeah. And I've never left like a, that kind of restaurant not feeling like I was absolutely about to give up. <laughs> like the absolute my full level my full level fullness um I googled what doula stands for it's an abbreviation dependable objective understanding listening and attentive oh yeah oh lovely okay um right what do we have here the best advice I I got was to be open to everything but fucking hell have the bloody epidural <laughs> gas and air did jack all for me uh and saying that the breathing techniques from hypnobirthing were very helpful during the contractions the rest of it was just meh for me mm-hmm. um nicholas saying just slipping into the post-lunch slump this is just the motivation i need to power through the afternoon i hope that close hypnobirthing experience <laughs> was motivational for you oh, yeah. um hi i have a question which may sound very stupid but what is the difference between fat loss and weight loss? That is not stupid at all. Mm-hmm. And also a very important distinction, because if you think that fat loss equals weight loss, or more importantly, that weight loss equals fat loss, actually both are important, then you'll be really disappointed when the scales don't move for a week or for two weeks. And actually weight loss is everything. So that includes like your like water retention, your food volume, when you last went to the toilet, like how much muscle mass you have. And fat loss fat loss is just fat loss so you can't see that on the scales now long term looking at trends over time which is exactly what we do we look at trends over time your lowest weight from the week and look at that over time that's a good prediction of fat loss but day-to-day fluctuations in weight have absolutely no bearing of changes in body composition like you have not put on two pounds of fat overnight that is absolutely impossible that you've done that so that though that's the difference, and it's actually really important to know that difference because weight loss doesn't mean fat loss. And actually, more to the point, no weight loss doesn't mean no fat loss. So you can absolutely lose fat, but the scales not change. And when we say that, we mean like for a couple of weeks. It's very unlikely, although we see this, I would say like two or three times every round, you get an outlier who's like, 
I've only lost a pound and we're like oh can we see some progress photos and then we're like holy hell <laughs> like you've lost a ton of fat but you haven't lost much weight but that is normally kind of like the exception to the rule it is the exception to the rule but it can also happen if you're already quite petite lean like I've got one-to-one who's a ballet dancer right now and it's like she's not losing weight um but it's just yeah I mean it's there's some people who just the scale is just not a good measure to go on um I I like the analogy of think of it like a car and if you were to weigh the entirety of a car but the only thing in that car is your let's say your body fat would be your fuel tank so it's like saying what's the difference between kind of the weight of this fuel tank which is one specific thing and the weight of the car they're two completely different things the car's got you know the tires the steering wheel the seats the everything I mean it's it's a whole it's a whole mechanical object just like your body you know your body's biological obviously but it's a fully functioning day-to-day machine just like a car of which the fuel tank is one tiny measurement of its total weight Um, And the same can be said for body fat. It's a tiny measurement of your body's total weight. And as Emma said, over time, what we would like to see, you know, is this fuel tank emptying, is your weight trending down. But when you just stick it on the scale, you have no way of knowing what's what. Um, And it can change. You know, imagine if I drive, I don't know, 10 minutes and then I do a, a food shop for the house. Like, and that happens, think of that like eating as well. You know, you could be losing fat and then have a huge meal and get on the scale and you've gained weight. It doesn't make sense, um, which is why we go over time. Um, and um, so, yeah. Um, Polly's just saying, you have to feel safe and trust them. It's like therapy, just because someone has a qualification, it doesn't mean that you are the right, fi- that they are the right fit for you. Do mm-hmm. everything that empowers you. Yeah, you're so right. And it, it's same as coaching. Like, even if someone's mega qualified, if you don't resonate with them, they're not the right coach for you. If you're mm. not going to stick to what they say, they're not the right coach for you. And Polly knows because Polly's a fa- I'm right in thinking Polly's a therapist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sadie, I was born in labor. Oh, sorry. I was born in labor. <laughs> I was like, well, we all, babe. <laughs> well done. Well done. I was in labor for 56 hours. I wish I'd known about this. I was going out of my mind, as you can imagine. Well, no, so this is what's interesting. And this is why I was happy that I had a midwife. I was telling her about my friend, Amy. Oh, my friend, Amy has a podcast called, uh, what is it? Two New Mums. Um, and you have to listen to it. It's so good. But so she was like, wanted to give birth in a birthing center with no pain relief. Was like, I don't know why. She just basically decided to go like full hypnobirth hippie on it. I was like, I'm doing And she ended up being in labor for like four days. And she needed the epidural and because what, and then this is when my had a hypnobirthing lady, Alexis was like, like perfect that she, that she did that, which a lot of hypnobirthing people wouldn't say about an epidural um, because it's medical intervention. But she was at that point, so exhausted, so fatigued, pretty much hysterical. There was no way in hell that her natural labor was going to progress to the way that it should. She needed the epidural. She immediately went to sleep for five hours. And when she woke up, she was 10 centimeters dilated because her body finally relaxed and it allowed her to go into, what is it, transitional labor? I literally just did this at the end. And, and it allowed that to happen. And if she hadn't had that epidural, it just would have been even more hell that it already was. And and that's when, again, Alexis was like, yeah, see, that's why as a midwife who's also qualified in him. Wait, is her name Alexis? Yeah. Oh, 
Good name. Great name, but don't you think that when people say it, Alexa will go off? Well, that's what I said to her. And then after she let and she was like, yeah, we have to turn Alexa off in my house. Otherwise, it's just like a fucking nightmare. And then after she left, James was like, I love the name Alexis because we like like Lexi and Lex. And I was like, me too. But the Alexa thing really. That's such a shame. That name's going to die now. I know. I know. Anyway. Okay, Anna, been there on the PT front for my wedding a few years back and heading to the age of 40, I decided to shape up and lose some weight. Went to a PT on recommendation of several acquaintances and she she and I just didn't fit. She did not understand the madness of my life and at the time and expected me to drop everything, just do the exercises and get the specific foods in. Also, she seemed to think that I might want to eat fish for health reasons. That's such a random (laughs) additional thing. I think she sounds young. I remember when I first. You know what? That sounds like me when I first qualified. I'd be like, what? Why aren't you just doing all the exercise? Fucking fish. (laughs) Just have fish every day. Jesus. It's it's a learning curve, PT, realizing that your clients have their own lives, their own goals, and they're not you. And and actually, what makes you a shit coach is projecting yourself onto them. What makes you a great coach is meeting the client where they are. And that comes with, I think we all have that first slap around the face the first few months we start PTing where it's like, oh, you're not like me. Obviously, like how stupid, it's so funny. Well, because I kept like, when I finished uni, I was doing an internship with strength and conditioning. So like I'd done a sports science degree looking at like elite athletes. And then I'd done like working with elite athletes. So I was like, great PT is easy I just tell them what to do and they go and do it because that's what <laughs> athletes is like. they just have 100% motivation <laughs> yeah yeah well I learned that lesson okay Sarah I've got a really basic question can I do the home workout exercises if I don't have gym equipment at home I've only got dumbbells and a resistance I've only got oh you've got loads of stuff I've only got dumbbells and resistance bands but looking at the home exercise routines they have equipment I don't have there are just dumbbell ones aren't there absolutely every single exercise every single one in the home workouts you can do with either dumbbells or kettlebells or barbells or resistance bands there's nothing it's like there's there's no machine work therefore everything can be and I'm pretty sure there's notes on every exercise like you can do this with a barbell or a kettlebell or a medicine ball or a sandbag it's just weight it's just weighted that's the whole point of them yeah yeah if you go and have a look at them again if you have any problems just tag us and we will and especially with dumbbells if someone just had a barbell there would be some things we talk about this like lat raises for example that would be like "Mm, okay and then I would probably give you like a body weight like side plank push thing to do but honestly especially with dumbbells you can do everything agreed um okay Candice when I was she's back is that the same Candice? Yes, the same Candice. Remember the first time she uploaded a photo and I was like, look at this face. Oh, yeah. Candice? I'm just on her profile now. Yeah. <laughs> look at that face. Yeah. Got <laughs> right. Okay. Wait, I need to go back to the questions. <laughs> <laughs> when I was doing the ab rollouts, I felt a pulling sensation in my lower abs, not a pain, but a pulling. I had real bad doms last week from them. So do you think this is just them still recovering? And should I continue with core exercises this week in the gym workouts? I've neglected my core for months, so it's probably a shock to the system. Yeah, if it wasn't like a pain and it was just a pulling, it's probably just you're working your abs for the first time in a, in a while. I would wait for them to fully, fully recover, though. This isn't one of those situations where we'll be like, 
look, rest the day after dorms, go back to the gym, stretch it out. By the time you're into your second set, you won't feel the dorms and then they'll come back. This is a bit different. If you haven't trained abs in ages and ages and ages and ages, you train them, you felt a pulling, you're still in pain, just wait for it and then go again because it will be a, otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to make sure that you fully recover before you push it. Agreed. Okay, Eva, expectation thing is so true. I'd got into eating four scrambled eggs this weekend. I had two and of course I was fine. Yeah, Um, but yeah, yeah. Although if someone had told you it was four, you probably would have been more fine. (laughs) Two, can I just say though, on the egg front, two eggs is like absolute child's play. Have you you ever had like two scrambled eggs? It's like- Oh, scrambled eggs, no, but two poached eggs is fine. Two poached eggs is fine. Two scrambled eggs is a joke. You know, like when you microwave spinach or whatever, and you're like, what happened? Where where have we got to? Yeah, agree. I agree with that. Uh, Verity, I just want to say that I've had such a great week. It's round three for me, but my mindset is crazy different across all areas of my life. A big change I've made as well is stopping snacking and having a proper 4 p.m. meal. Food volume. Whoop, whoop. Even me. Even me. Like... Food yeah. is important for people who can throw down. Like, yes, agreed, Verity. Also great name. Oh, yeah, you think every time I say a name now, you're thinking... Hmm. Because I have my favourite, but it's not James's favourite, so it's now we're stuck. Okay, well, Shelley Ford is the next name. Okay, James would like Shelley. I don't like... Because mine ends with an E. I'm not, like, mega on... Well, I did like Verity, to be fair, just now, but I'm mm. not my ending in e-names I don't know why okay I did my first gym workout today on legs I did the home body weight last week any advice on stopping the leg shaking afterwards in order to drive home safely (laughs) (laughs) just go for a little walk and and if you can like get a protein shake in or something yeah get in some fuel after but that's a good sign it shows that you worked hard in your session so oh yeah usually she says also I did bicycle crunches last week had a horrible crunching feeling in my back each time I lowered my left leg. Do I continue with them next time I do the home workout? You had a horrible crunching feeling in your back every time you lowered your left leg. Um, this is tricky because typically we'll say if it if it's not painful, your body's going to click and creak and do, do whatever it's going to do and it's not really a big deal. If it's painful and weird, making a weird noise, then no, I would say do um, like stay flat on your back and lift your lift your knees up. Like try not to let your um, lower spine curve up, um, but you can still do the movement. You're still what you still work your abs just lying flat. And and what are these called, Emma? What? You know when you lie flat on your back and you do. There's a name for these. The um. You could do um <clears throat> I'll Google it. <laughs> what dead bugs? Yes, dead bugs. Thank you. Dead bugs. Yeah. That, even that, and you don't have to raise your back up off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um activity increases has resulted in very sore feet. Is this normal and will my feet adapt like DOMS or do I need new trainers? Uh, I think there's probably an element of both. I spoke to someone yesterday who was like, I've gone from doing 6,000 steps a day to 12,000 steps a day and my feet like are really sore. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you probably increased a little bit too quickly. Like let's go to 9,000 this week mm-hmm. and see if you can like be on softer surfaces. But having good shoes, if you're doing that amount of walking, like you need to have good shoes. 
I agree. It's both. If I do loads of steps one day, I know like my that night, my tendons in my feet know about it. Um, and I also, yeah, I can do minimal steps and have a really lazy day on holiday, and my feet will be killing because I've been in flip flops all day. So yeah. Okay, Shona. Week one started great, but in typical fashion of myself, it ended very badly. Scales are up. I'm in a horrible self hate cycle. What are your tips on picking yourself up and dusting yourself off? Emma? Well, I mean, firstly, you, you've commented and you've not like put your head in the sand. And I think that that's a really good sign as opposed to being like, oh, well, I've, you know, I started this diet again. I've ruined it again. Like, no, this time's going to be different. You've reached out for help. And like, that's what we're here for. So one, congrats for that. And well done. Two, before you draw a line under it, dust yourself off and move on. What can you learn from this situation? Like, why did it go, quote unquote, like horribly wrong? What did happen? And how come, like, you know, if it's the, the typical and then it was the weekend and I was like, fuck it, it's the weekend. How do we make sure that next weekend you don't think the same? And does that mean that we lower your calories in the week so you've got a bit more to play with on the weekend? Or do we need to change your mindset around the weekend? Actually, sometimes, you know, as much as we're normally like, go and live your freaking best life while you're losing a little bit of body fat at the same time, like that's not a false dichotomy, you can do both. But sometimes actually just proving to yourself that I can stay on track with calories over the weekend and still enjoy myself. And then you kind of look back on that and you're like, okay, I can do that. It's not an all or nothing thing. It's not like I can either go out and drink myself under the table and eat, you know, 5,000 calories over the weekend, or I can stay at home and do absolutely nothing. Like, no, you can go out and enjoy yourself and not overeat and overdrink. And sometimes you have to be a bit strict with yourself for the first weekend to prove to yourself that you can do that. And then you've got that evidence because at the moment, probably the story that you're telling yourself is, and I can see that you're telling yourself this story because you're like, in typical fashion, it ended badly, you know, like it always does. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you've walked right into that. Mm. Whereas if you stop telling yourself that story and to stop really telling yourself that story, you have to prove to yourself. And it only takes one time to prove to yourself that, I can go go and like enjoy my weekend and maybe like meet friends for food or something without going completely off track. Mm. And then you have that proof and then you're like, okay, well, actually that narrative that I've been telling myself that every single weekend I overeat and there's nothing I can do about it. And it's just typical me isn't true because I've just proved that it's not true. And th that's essentially what you need to do. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think we love a reset. We love a sit down. Um, you know, reorganize, you know, your approach to your day-to-day -day diet, to your, you know, weekly expenditure. But there's no point in doing that if you're not first going to address the elephant in the room. Of like, okay, what keeps happening and why does it keep happening? And don't be so emotional or shameful. We're all human. We're all trying to change. Changing habits as an adult is not easy. You're going to fall over. They, exactly as you said at the end of the question, you have to pick yourself up dust yourself off and carry on and dusting yourself off is the dirty work and that's saying yeah but why does this keep happening is it because I'm stressed with work is it because I drink too much and you know this is me <laughs> and then I get the munchies you know like the drunk munchies or whatever like is it because the what, what's the reason like okay like so and then this is again like just using myself as an example which I always do and I know it sounds really self-indulgent but I just I, I'm trying to to give you examples of how like your coach has tackled it being like okay so you know what? when I go out I'm going to pre-track you know anywhere between one to five drinks in that space I'll be drunk like 
I'm going to pre-track, I'm going to stick to, I'm going to make sure I have a really big dinner before I go. And I'm going to try, and you try and problem solve, you know, you troubleshoot and it works. It Because eventually you stumble across something that really fucking works for you. Um, you know, like, and again, another one, only drinking one night a week for me. Like that is, that's how I stay in my weekly calorie average. Fuck day to day, weekly. Like, and like things like this, figure it out and be like, okay, so when I'm stressed, we talked about again with the hunger stuff, like the comfort eating, if that's what it is, you know, whatever it is, like, that's a self-soothing mechanism and that's fine that's human there's no shame there should be no shame or embarrassment or emotion attached to that you're human that's what we do but there are loads of other self-soothing mechanisms so let's try find one of those and a bath might not work for you or reading a magazine might not work for you but it turns out that watching stranger things on netflix does like whatever um and then you reset and you try again and you'll get there um and it and stop thinking this is just going to be one linear path because it's never is in anything in life it's always a jagged shit show <laughs> yeah and actually even if it takes you a little bit longer if you figure this out now like that's you sorted for the like the rest of your life like rather than just like putting a bucket under a leak again and again and again and being like yeah I can do this for eight weeks actually if you'll if you figure out okay why is it that I feel like on the weekend I need to overeat like what a lot of the time it's kind of become people's identity that they're like oh yeah I'm the one in the group that's always absolutely wasted and so I have to live up to that every time like maybe that's something that you have to deal with and and sometimes it's a bit deeper than that and you're like why do I feel like I need to be that person or you know do I feel confident if I can go like can I go out and not have a drink and still enjoy myself and feel confident and sometimes there's a bit of like underlying self-work that needs to be done there and like these things can come up when you start questioning instead of just being like dust yourself off and move on or as close say the dusting yourself off is reviewing what happened and how you can make sure that next time it doesn't happen again this is why we want you to journal so that you don't make the same mistakes again and again and again or when you do you're you're actually you know you've written it down so you have to kind of live like you have to own that you have to be like okay every single weekend this is happening I can't like bury my head in the sand anymore. I'm going to have to make sure that these patterns aren't, aren't happening again and again and again, which means I have to do a little bit of work on this and figure out why it's happening and what I need to change. Exactly. Okay. Anna. Hi ladies. Do you have any tips on managing nutrition when you don't know what you're eating? I'm going to Sri Lanka soon for four weeks. I know there will be lots of curries and I will be mindful of rice for example but are there any other tips welcome this is my second round with fat loss goal you can still have you know more indulgent food intake and stay within your calories you just have to monitor your how much you're eating your portion sizes you know you could easily for example again practical diet tip let's just say it is a chicken curry and you can easily although everyone will hate you but do it anyway you can easily fish out more chicken and less curry. Like it's it's that simple. Um, you know, you could have a spoonful of rice instead of a, a massive heaped mound of it and half the calories. Like you can still eat and be present and be part of the experience and experience the food that this amazing culture has to offer. By the way, I've heard nothing but fantastic things about Sri Lanka. I'm very jealous. Also, um, I think the food is quite like fresh and mm-hmm. good and like, yeah, I well, think- I think you'll probably find and because it's so hot as well like easier than what you expect you don't have to know exactly how many calories are in everything no you can and I think there's a big misnomer like you can't 
and you can't really throw yourself into culture without throwing yourself into the fuck it bucket with food bullshit like i've been on so many holidays and maintained a diet and it took me a fucking long time to do it i'll tell you that for free but i've done it um and you can still eat with everyone the same thing you just eat more consciously um i actually think it's probably if you genuinely throw yourself into culture as opposed i think most holidays mess up because people are eating like at all you can eat hotel like restaurants that's just like oh British people like British food so we just make loads of chips and stuff like I remember going to Turkey and trying to find like Turkish food and it was so hard it was like all the restaurants were like like a British breakfast or like English breakfast and all this stuff and I was like I want like I want a Turkish breakfast that's really depressing I know. Um, it, it might have shown like where I went that year but especially because Turkish breakfast is the fucking tits like I mean you want like actual slabs of grilled cheese for breakfast like yes please um no yeah that's really depressing I never understood it and I'm sorry if this is anyone on the EC method when people go on holiday like Brits go on holiday and search out like a full English I'm just like what are you doing like I just I can't get my head around it like you see it like even when we when James and I were walking on the promenade des Anglais in Nice and like you just see these like sunburned Brits with their fried eggs and chips and I was like there's literally a fish restaurant on the beach right there like not expensive like like you're talking about this is a place where like the, the, the kind of rosé that James and I would buy here in London will cost like I don't know 20 30 quid a bottle right you go, this is somewhere where you go they literally grow out on the doorstep it's like two two euros it's like what, what are you doing you, you go live your life with your egg and chips jesus all <laughs> oh, right okay uh melinda another question i've had three migraines this week and i haven't had any in a while where i've been where i've needed to take my strong medic- medication do you think these have been triggered by the change in diet and not eating as much sweet or junk food um okay so it absolutely could be a change in diet or if this is the only thing that's changed then it absolutely could be a change however generally if you look at research like migraines are more linked to quote-unquote like sweet and junk food as opposed to like a healthy diet um I think I think if if that is as Emma said, if it's the only thing that's changed, you've gone from eating a shit ton of sugar and crap food to really cleaning up your diet. Yeah, I can see that that would spark off headaches. Migraines are very, yeah, uh, yeah, I can see it might, it might be, but we can't say for sure. I yeah, I would go and speak to your doctor and see yeah. see if there's anything they can suggest. And I will say, obviously, I'm not suggesting this, but something that has often like has worked for me from a doctor is like high dose aspirin just as you're feeling a migraine coming on and it's meant to like basically dilate your arteries a little bit so that sometimes it will stop it coming on well and also just quickly um if you really think it is a sugar thing make sure that you keep like fruit quite high in your diet because then you're still going to be getting that in and you know hopefully you're doing it in a bit of a healthier way and you're not it's not going to be quite so it won't be dramatic agree okay and not a question just wanted to say i'm feeling so so positive at the start of week two still absorbing all of the information and i'm going to re-watch the intro video again but just feeling really great about everything thank you ladies love that love a pma (laughs) 
Um, Kerry, oh geez, I didn't actually think you checked the photos. I didn't even smile. Now I've got my ass and mind into gear, loving the program. What photos? Oh, right. No, no, no. Sorry, we were just looking at pro profile photos. Oh, not... no, no. Often on lives, Emma and I will get distracted and start stalking some of you on Facebook. Kerry, your, your photo, you are smiling. You look great. What we don't like, guys, just to be clear, is when some of you have like photos of your husbands and stuff, and then it gets very confusing. <laughs> oh my God, do you remember someone last round yeah. who I think was using their husband's profile and they were like, yeah, so I've been on like 1600 calories. And I was thinking, oh my God, Derek, you can't be on 1600. I was like, what? This man's going to be starving. And then, and then was like something like, I think I'd said, because I didn't want to be like, are you a man or a woman? Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'd said something like, how tall are you? And she was like, five foot three. And I was like, what a small man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that does get a little bit confusing. So, if that is you, wow. fine, right? We know that there are loads of things like people like, I don't like Facebook or I'm using my partner's way. Fine, but please just let us know because when you're asking us about calories and stuff, it gets a bit confusing. It does. I, think <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we've starved this man. If you're non-binary and you'd rather not say, and we've had that before as well, that's absolutely fine. But it might be nice if we could have a private conversation about, you know, your kind of your biological status at birth and where you are now in a transition i'm just putting this out there because we have had it happen once before so it may as well and where you are and we are very open to absolutely 100 percent. 100 like it's absolutely nothing phases emma and i at this point um so we're not we're not going to be like oh i don't know how to deal with this we know how to deal with it but we need to know kind of where it started where it's at and where you're headed so that we can set you up appropriately because there are, this is the body we're talking about, and there are physiological considerations for your goals that we need to take into account. Um, and I won't, I don't need to elaborate on that. But if that is you, drop us a DM. I love having trans clients. I think it's the coolest thing. It can, I mean, it can be one of, <clears throat> it can be, it, it can be extremely fun and interesting to watch what we can do. Because at the end of the day, like, if the client's goal aligns with the kind of thing that Emma and I are good at doing, it's great fun. It's really great fun. I mean, I've had people transition both ways, but it is really cool, like female to male, because it is. I know. I didn't want to say that because like, we don't want to be, we don't want to step out of line. But yeah, it's fun what we can do. Yeah. And it's, it's fun in the bodybuilding community to see what, what's being done. Like, some of the bikini girls I mean unbelievable physique so I mean look and this is trans bikini girls yeah ah. <laughs> and it's and this is this is Emma this is this is what we do we work and we work in this area and so it can be a really it can actually be a really nice meeting of minds and merging of things so yeah okay kelly hi clamor round two for me in round one i followed the home bodyweight workouts but i wondered if i should switch to free weights in round two i have a selection of dumbbells and resistance bands will one give better results than the other secondly the workouts seem to have disappeared from the app they were there for the first few days but have now dropped off oh kelly okay you've bought the wrong package i will swap you over now this, have we this found the april package is that done yeah Basically, like, a lot like a lot of the grads bought the 
April grads, which means they don't have any workouts. So I have to manually move them over. It's one of my favorite jobs. <laughs> it makes like really, it makes my whole body tighten up for you. Um, I think I've got through most of them now. This is when you realize you're Barrett. Huh? Then when you realize you're good at reframe. Oh yeah. Like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Oh no, she's Kelly. Kelly, you're already in the grads, so I don't know why you don't have workouts. Um, refresh the app and have a little check, but they should be there. There's no reason. If first happens, oh guys, I need to. So yeah, too many of you now. I mean, at least three of you have said to me that you can't log your weights on some of my work so I've obviously done something without thinking about it Emma is it that I'm putting like NA like non-applicable for weights because I'm not setting them weights so I'm putting yeah you can't you don't put NA you just put like one kilogram or like no so they can set the weights themselves but if you put NA it means like there won't be that function there fuck okay I that's what I've done guys because obviously we don't set what weight you should lift because we've got no idea how strong you are so um and it's group coaching so I will go in and amend that now I'm sorry that's my mistake I didn't know I didn't know (laughs) I didn't know guys okay it's fine do you know what it's a learning curve it is a learning okay Gwen Ann it's a nice Welsh name for you Gwen Gwenin. Oh, I would say Gwenin, but you're saying Gwen Ann. Well, there's an A at the end. Gwen Ann. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I do like I... Welsh names. I like Karis. Karis? Karis. Both. Mm. Um, okay, my scales are up as well. I've not been able to do the workouts because of post-op recovery, but I'm getting my steps in and I'm a bit disappointed. I'm feeling, but I'm feeling so much more energized. Um, I wouldn't, don't pay any attention to the scales. They will fluctuate. It's only been a week. It's and your po- post-op, hello, inflammation in the body. Your hello. Body, I would absolutely, post-op, post-holiday, post-Glastonbury. I had this with one of my friends this morning, <laughs> which I won't go into. But, like, just don't weigh in for a while. Like, just let your body relax. Agreed. Okay. Hey, Clemmer, my first round... And I'm so far loving it. Thank you so much, girls. I think this will, will have been covered many times before, but I'm traveling over the next two weeks and I'm determined to stay aware of food and steps, but worried about getting back into it 100% when I get home. I travel a lot for work and this has always been where I fall down. Not anymore. And we don't do self, self-fulfilling prophecies anymore. This is different. This is your EC life now. Everything is different. I get out of the zone and I just don't get back into it. No, no, no. That's why you have us. It's an all or nothing mentality. You don't have that anymore, Deborah. And that makes me very frustrated and I never see the results I want. Not anymore. Not anymore. You are literally, I, and I'm pointing those, that stuff out because you're literally talking yourself into it. Yeah. Even the way that it's worded, like, I know this might just sound pedantic, but be like, this is what, you know, old me used to do X, Y, and Z new me doesn't but I want to make sure that new me does follow these actions and you've got the accountability now so we know that you're away for two weeks as soon as you get back hi I'm back I'm back and I'm going to make this plan and when you when you're on your flight back or your train back or however you're getting home like make yourself a decent plan of on Monday I'm doing this make sure that first day you nail it like I'm going to get my steps in I'm going to get a workout in then I'm going to make sure that I hit my protein and calorie targets from day one and get yourself back into that routine 
Yeah, I have nothing to add. That was brilliant and funny. <laughs> okay, Sarah Lynn. Hello, ladies. I've shared before about my goal to drop two weights classes by October and a powerlifting competition. A few weeks ago, it seemed realistic, but I'm currently not meeting the £1.2 loss per week required. I know it's because I'm still struggling with nutrition inconsistency. My current At my current rate, I'll definitely drop one weight class. However, if I don't kick things into gear... My original goal will be out of reach. Should I reevaluate? I'm wondering if feeling the deadline pressure is throwing me off. I thought it would be motivating, but I've struggled to dial it in. To reach this goal, I'd need to lose 20 pounds by October 1st. Any guidance, um, time to push or reassess? My initial thoughts are twofold. Number one, why not push? And if you don't make it, you don't make it. Like, don't put a hell of a lot of pressure on yourself. But I wouldn't say now. I'm just going to reassess and not go for it anyway. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't do that. And and it would be great if you lost like 11 pounds, even if it wasn't the full 20 pounds. So you, and I know because we know you that fat loss is still your goal. So why don't you push for it anyway? Secondly, this is quite interesting because we see this quite a lot when people set specific goals, whether it's like a photo shoot or a competition or, you know, like for you, like a powerlifting competition they often like get in their own head. And this, this happened to me as soon as I had a deadline for something, like when I used to do photo shoots and stuff, as soon as like, they were like, you need to do a shoot on X date. I'd be like, I don't want to do it. And I don't yeah. want to stay in shape. And I don't really want to go to the gym. And what if I want to go out with my mates and like, I don't want to stick to my diet. Whereas when I had nothing, no reason to do it at all. I was like, I'm choosing to do this. Cause I want to do this. There's no pressure on me. And actually that made me enjoy it so much more. And I would make those choices. Now, the actions might be exactly the same, but it's your mindset around it that changes. Now, on the flip side, other people are like, oh, yeah, if I don't have a goal, I just won't stick to anything. I actually like I need that deadline. So it's quite individual, like the way that you're that you perceive it. But it sounds like to you, you're potentially a bit more like me, where you're like, if someone even if it's me that's telling myself I need to be X weight or I need to be in X shape by X day, I immediately like push back and I'm like, nope. <laughs> not happening anymore even though you did all those behaviors before and you absolutely find sticking your diet to the diet before you set this like target on yourself so a lot of that is psychological but I, I wouldn't say reassess now I would say keep pushing unless you know like when you say you're, you're struggling with inconsistency with nutrition like maybe tell us a little bit more about what that actually looks like yeah, I agree with everything Emma said. It can go either way and it can be both. I've experienced both where I've needed the goal to get it done and also where the goal has made me be like, fuck this and be really resentful. Um, I do agree with what Emma said at the last point, how, you know, you you say that you struggle with nutrition and I know that, Sarah Lynn, you've had issues with kind of, emotional eating and like the fuck it bucket and this could be you know the solution could be as simple as what are you restricting that you're then is then tripping you up like it could be that simple that and you know that might not sound it but it is we can fix that quite easily it could be that there's more going on um i i would like to know a little bit more about what exactly is happening in your life when you find that you all of a sudden this elect to or is it is it is it completely unconscious do you just all of a sudden realize that you all haven't stuck to your 
your targets that day or that week, whatever, we need to know a little bit more because that will determine how we coach you through it. Agreed. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit distracted. I was replying to one of the comments. Okay, right. We can make this. Your skin is ridiculous. You should be a skin model. Well, <laughs> do you know what the word, <laughs> what's so funny is I have like no skincare routine. I, I think it's just a good example of like the people who probably just have, I'm really like lucky that I don't have oily skin I guess so I don't get that many spots but actually I just wash my face every night that's it that's ridiculous and like every anyone who's watching Emma's skin is that nice in real life <laughs> it looks as well like she's wearing like bits of make like it like she's meant it's ridiculous like it always looks like you're wearing a bit of blush but you're not like no, I'm just, just always a little bit flustered when you're talking to me I know isn't everyone <laughs> okay Eva random one but it's been bugging me. I heard someone, uh, no, I heard something about how some foods can be high calorie, but you don't retain them all. I think nuts. I'm really asking because my girlfriend's family who are Spanish drown everything in thousands of calories of olive oil and it doesn't seem to affect them. Um, I think, okay, so what you're talking about is the caloric availability of food and you're right in that nuts, I think peanuts, some people absorb less than I think some people don't absorb up to like 40% of peanuts. It, when I say some people, like it, it seems to be quite individual as well, but you can kind of see that because peanuts might to an extent come out the other side. But when you're talking about like caloric availability of food, different foods have different caloric availability. So although nuts are high in calories, you don't absorb all of those calories. I would imagine that the caloric availability of olive oil is pretty high. Mm -hmm. So the likelihood is you you should be looking more at the rest of their life. So yeah, they eat a lot of olive oil and that's high calories, but like, what else are they eating? And do they have nice big meals, but don't snack in between? Are they walking all day? Like what are the other things that are going on? Because it always comes back to like, it will still come back to energy balance. It's like when people say, I've got that one friend who just eats like whatever they want all the time. They never put on any weight. They must have a high metabolism. It's like, no, look at their behaviors. Like they're either not eating that much or like when they eat with you, yeah, they do eat a full pizza, but actually they tend when they're alone, they just don't eat that much or they move all the time or they skip breakfast or like other things are going on. It always comes back to energy balance. So it will be the same with your girlfriend's family who are eating thousands of calories of olive oil is that they're probably really active or, you know, energy balance still holds true. Yeah, nothing to add. Okay. Is that it? yeah oh all right then oh no wait sorry also physio said i can't do deadlifts or barbell squats at the moment with my back which i hate anyway so that's nice <laughs> can i swap with these okay um do the I, machine workouts yeah machine so like leg press i can't do i don't do squat barbell squats or deadlifts but i just do what i can on legs that aren't putting pressure on your back and honestly like the machines are really useful for that I had a shit fit in my gym today because someone had put like re the really heavy weights, like the 40 kgs plus up where like the baby weights are. And like, it, it was just full of annoying bodybuilders. And so deliberately <laughs> to make my point, what well, a girl that I know came up to him was like, Chloe, how are you doing? I was like, I'm fucking pissed off because you guys keep putting your, like the big boy weights here and they should be down there fucking rack your weight properly because you don't have a problem lifting it. 
all the girls in here are going to have a huge problem. Like, stop. Anyway, gym etiquette, people. Gym etiquette. You heard it here. Okay, Jenny, is there something you can recommend eating before bed to reduce mild hunger enough to sleep? I like to feel full when I go to sleep, but it's hard to not eat a lot of calories before bed to get that full feeling. No, that's not true at all. You you can have a bowl of broccoli mash for 50 calories and go to bed feeling like you can't roll over, which is how I feel. Um, That's the psychological, um, that's the self-fulfilling prophecy. You're literally saying to yourself, like, I need to eat all of this food before I go to bed so I feel full. So I think, no, you could have your dinner, like your proper high volume protein and veg dinner, 45 minutes before bed and go to bed full and satiated and happy you do not need to have two chocolate bars and a packet of crate like it just doesn't work like that at all um but i'm the same this links right back to what we were starting uh, talking about at the start it's the expectation and it's what you're telling yourself and there's another really cool study about um milkshakes and how they told one group that the milk like how the milkshake digested in them and that it kind of like curdled and turned into this like solid mass and they didn't tell the other group anything. And the group that thought that this was like what was happening with the milkshake was so much more satiated by it. And yeah. their actual gastric emptying, like their digestion process slowed down slowed because down. of the expectation. Yeah, I've read this. So much of it is so impactful. It's, and it's exactly the same with this. It's like, if you're like, oh, you know, I'm still going to be hungry after X, like then yeah, you probably will still be hungry after X. This also strikes me and I could be wrong, but I have had this before with more than one client if you've had a history of like really restrictive dieting and going to bed hungry and now you are in a cycle, and I've had this more than once now you're in a psychological pattern of I need to eat before bed to feel satiated and and I've, I've had clients I've, I've coached them through it where it started off as like real like binge eating before bed it's like a comfort it's a soothing mechanism so they didn't panic about going to bed hungry and eventually work them through to like having their last meal closer towards bed and after a period of coming away from dieting and restriction entirely the problem gets solved but it takes it's like chunks of weeks or months of work um so maybe maybe tag me because i do actually have a bit of client experience in this area and we can talk about it but just just as a broad statement you guys the things which are going to be the most satiating ironically are the lower calorie things and it's it's just a bit of a it's just a weird myth that i don't know really where it came from that unless you eat loads of junk food you're not going to feel full yeah yeah I and also just like I guess things like your expectation like I'm the exact opposite of that if I eat just before bed I do not sleep well at all Most so are. technically yeah, that's how it should be that's what I mean like that knowledge of that information of actually you probably sleep better not eating right before bed <laughs> that might help in itself like knowing that actually on a physiological level you're probably going to be sleeping better if you don't eat before bed yeah it's, it's true technically you should I mean you should I mean I like to go to bed on a full stomach too but yeah like if 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 you went to a sleep specialist that's the first thing they tell you to stop doing <laughs> oh. okay okay bye guys we'll see you bye. Thursday